good y'all kush hayes here coming to you newest summer edition of the microdose we hope your summer is going fantastic mine is busy much much busier comparative to uh last summer uh, for obvious reasons but uh this is a good thing man it's nice to be working it's nice to be part of civilization once again it's nice to be earning a paycheck again like a very long time folks you really don't understand or, or maybe some of you do i bet you do anyway Back in October, and you've been hearing me talk about this all year, Like I was a part of a little movie project called uh, Pact of Vengeance with Killer Wolf Films' very own Len Kabazinski. And with us tonight is one of the stars of Pact of Vengeance, Greg Orsi. Greg, what's good, man? How you doing? Hey, it's good to be here. Thank you very much for having me. This is a, a thrill. Yeah, man, right on. Thanks for being a part of this, dude. You got a YouTube channel. It's A-G-O-G Experience. And then uh, if folks want to get a hold of you, uh, Instagram, Greg.Orsi, is there a Twitter account also? There is no Twitter account. I have okay. uh, protected myself from that environment. I think that was probably a smart move. Like, if it wasn't <laughs> just to let people know, like, hey, we released another episode. I'm not on Twitter that much anymore. It's, um, as I said, toxic. Yeah, uh, Facebook is about all I handle. I'm on Instagram every once in a while, just... Uh, I post a photo, but uh, yeah, trying to keep it off social media as much as uh, is healthy. All right. Well, let's let's steer some attention back to the YouTube channel than the uh, AGOG experience. There's a little short film called The Radiation Generation. What can you tell us about that? Well, that I'm considering my first short film, although my history in production work extends two decades prior. Okay. And uh, so I completed that in 2018. Uh, at a time that I was looking to be getting back into video production and film production, ultimately, uh, behind the camera. So that's ultimately where my, uh, my trajectory is and that I have a bit of an acting career is a kind of a, just a happenstance, I guess, for my pursuit of looking to get back into filmmaking. But The Radiation Generation is a film that is inspired by an event that happened in New York a couple years prior okay. that made national and even international news where a power plant explosion in the north end of Queens, where I am, mm -hmm. uh, lit up the sky over Manhattan, this flashing blue-green color, and kind of oh. freaked out the city. Okay. And uh, so when I was looking to, to do a short film and, and really had no idea for a story, you know, a, a friend told me to, to look at my environment and see where I could make a film out of, you know, things that I see every day. And while I didn't see that phenomenon every day, it was something that stuck with me. And as I was looking to uh, do a horror tale, it seemed like an excellent catalyst for a, a story. So it, it kind of takes off from there and uh, a personal experience that one of the, the well, the only character has uh, during that phenomenon that night. Hmm. You said you're getting more into acting. How long have you been acting? Like, have you just been part of you know, your projects and projects of your friends? Or, like, does it go a little further than that to, like, some stage production? Or No, there hasn't been any stage production. My interest has only been uh, as limited as it has been with film work. 
And really my first, I believe my first on-screen credit is in Len Kabazinski's Swamp Zombies 2, in which okay. I had the pleasure of playing one of the titular Swamp Zombies. <laughs> That's awesome. I got here in uh, 2017, you were part of the Challenge of the Five Gauntlets. Um, like, how'd you, how'd you end up meeting Len? So I was a fan of Red Letter Media, and I imagine a lot of people who are familiar with Len as a filmmaking probably got introduced to him through his appearances on Red Letter Media. A co-worker followed a Reddit for them and around that time saw a, a call they were having for extras for that film uh, that just happened to be in an area of New Jersey where I'm from and still okay. had some family. So uh, I thought it'd be a fun opportunity just to, to head down there one weekend and be a zombie for a bit. And little did I know that that would start me on a path that uh, I find myself on now where uh, with Hack to Vengeance, this is the fourth film now that I've worked on with Len. Okay. And you, you play the main villain in Pact of Vengeance. First off, how much working out did you have to do? Because you, you, you chewed up all the scenery. You, you, <laughs> you ate it all, Greg. It was, it was, oh, there was wow. nothing left. <laughs> I was a hungry boy. Yeah, man. Uh, so, yeah, actually, um, at the beginning of last year, I started working out with uh, Jenna Fryer, who you recently had on, mm -hmm. uh, who's also in, I think she's been in all of the, the films I've been with Len as well. So this is our mm -hmm. fourth film together, although we've not acted directly together at all. Mm -hmm. But uh, during the pandemic, she was advertising her services as a personal trainer over Zoom. Right. And as I had been wanting to get in better shape in general, uh, started working out with her actually prior to Len casting me in Pact mm -hmm. of Vengeance. So it was just fortuitous that I happened to get, be in as good a shape as I was by the time filming began. I didn't ever see a script for Pact of Vengeance, but does it like describe your characters like just like psychopathic David Bowie on, on all the cocaine? Or is like, <laughs> did you come up with your, your look and your attire? Like what? How'd you get into your character? Uh, so Lynn had directed me toward a film that I can't recall the name of at this time, but there was a, the main villain in this, in this film, which was about a kind of jungle prison. Think like Escape from New York, where they turned Manhattan into a prison. This was like they took criminals mm. out and sort of dumped them in the jungle, and they kind of just had their own prison society. Oh, no escape? Leader, that might have been it. I think yeah. so. The, the premise of the character uh, that I was modeling after was uh, sort of a very uh, smart, alecky, sarcastic, but totally in control kind of villain. And so Len wanted that type of uh, sort of humor and menace to come across in the character. Mm -hmm. uh, so I took a look at the script and uh, had ideas for, for things that I wanted to do with the character. And asked Len if he would allow me to, to augment the script with some ideas that he had. And he was very open to that. So a lot of what I do in that performance is a sort of bit, um, dialogue that I had written for the character, but still kept the, the scene structure intact from what Len had wanted. So everything begins and ends where it does. But, you know, I kind of put in some more jokes and, and made the character a little more sinister than was originally on paper. Mm -hmm. um, one of the inspirations for the character itself was 
in a Cynthia Rothrock film called Honor and Glory. Yeah, yeah, I know it. Where the main villain was like a martial arts bodybuilding bank CEO. And okay, I yeah. thought that premise was hilarious. So I imagine, <laughs> okay, so if this guy is the leader of a gang, but his background is more affluent than the mm. characters he associates with. So he kind of has this preppy punk look mm -hmm. where, you know, the first outfit you see him in, which I made was uh, a suit jacket with the sleeves ripped off and uh, hand painted pinstripes on it. So a kind mm -hmm. of uh, mashup of uh, what he thinks a how a, a businessman would dress, but keeping it punk. Mm -hmm. So my backstory for the character was that he, you know, had a uh, or came from a, a family of means, but was rebelling against mommy and daddy. But because he had the means, he was still able to put together this criminal organization. <laughs> That's amazing. So the entire time, like, if I understand correctly, you're in New York and uh, Killer Wolf Films is in PA. And despite how close those states are together, like, you don't want to. I imagine it's a lot of trouble to go over there every weekend and go like, what do you think of this look today, Len? And or, or, <laughs> or, or, let me let me show you what I got for a scene. Like, are you, are you just sending videos back and forth? Like try this or change this, try this set of glasses, uh, say it this way. Um, yeah. It wasn't even that involved. It was, uh, okay. he kind of gave me the freedom to do oh, with fresh. the character, what I had wanted. And I was grateful for that opportunity. So, you know, I did some goodwill, goodwill hunting, you know, goodwill shopping and uh, found some elements for the costume and, and pretty much everything that I'd wanted to use for the character made it into the film. There was just one other outfit that I didn't get to do, uh, I think because there was a scene that originally read that it was going to be in the early morning. So basically it was going to be uh, Sid, which is, which is the name of my character, um, basically like in an Asian shorty kimono but still work wearing his, you know, uh, ankle high boots and just sipping his coffee in the morning. Um, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to, to do that look, but the, the other three outfits of, of Sid's, yeah, were all, all my idea. It's pretty amazing, like, how much the Goodwill store will come in handy, and, and especially if you're on a budget, like, if you're making a low-budget film or you, like, you need props for a hardcore wrestling match, like, they're all at the Goodwill, like... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great start, at least. I did have to get some additional props, like the sunglasses and the spite gloves, I believe, came both from overseas. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I know the gloves themselves were an Etsy product, and the sunglasses might have even come from Germany, or maybe the gloves came from Germany. But yeah, some of that stuff, it was a bit tight, uh, even making sure that I got the, uh, the order in time prior to shooting but unfortunately everything worked out you were on both sets the east coast and the west coast did you find any difference in attitudes or uh, you know just the environment itself like hmm um i mean every day is different really i guess sure. so it, whether it's in um, the west coast or or shooting in erie i mean len keeps a pretty chill attitude and um, demeanor over the set, at least from my experience. So, you know, he's very efficient. 
and and from what I experienced, he seemed to get everything done in the day that he intended to do that day. And um, it's just kind of like you start, you shoot, he's, he's got it, and you move on. But yeah, I mean, as far as Erie, we were in this warehouse building, but each day it was a different area of the, the warehouse. And then L.A. was sort of at Leo's house and in uh, sort of the back alleys of his neighbor, or at least the cul-de-sac in his area. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's just the nature of film production that no matter where you are in the world shooting, you know, any day, every setup is just going to be its own thing and, and feel unique. True, true, true. Is there something that you saw on either set where you're just like, uh, I, I got a lot of reservations about this, but then you see the final part, and you're like, son of a bitch, that worked. And it worked really well. Like, anything come <laughs> out of you? Um, not, not that I could say in that regard. I mean, I guess just uh, maybe even the opposite. Like, uh, it's, it's the largest role that I had had. And so both in, in writing my the dialogue for some of my scenes and then performing it, then seeing it in the final product and feeling like, oh, I, maybe I didn't deliver that line quite like I thought I did. Mm-hmm. But this is my first real opportunity to kind of review a, a full performance because it's the, the largest role that Len had ever entrusted me with. But overall, I was pretty happy with every, how everything turned out. And I guess as far as like what was the most surprising was, you know, I'd never been uh, or I'd never used uh, prop guns before. And so there's a lot of work in, or with that in the film. So that was kind of exciting with the, the rooftop shootout and really just firing a gun for the first time was a, a pretty unique experience. And it all turned out pretty well, and I think it comes across uh, very well on film. What's it like watching yourself on film? Like Jack Palance used to say, I don't watch my movies because, well, I was there. I made it. I know how it ends. <laughs> And Johnny Depp's just like, I'm just too bashful. I just, I can't stand to see myself. Like, you somewhere in between, or you just like, I can't, not only am I watching this, I'm taking notes. Well, like. uh, I guess more the latter. Like, I was definitely aware of, of not just their sentiments on that, but other actors who've exper- uh, expressed the same thing of they, they never go and watch their, their performances. Uh, I'm sure a lot of actors even duck out after the red carpet on the premieres mm-hmm. of their films if they just don't want to see it. But uh, I mean, you kind of sit there and, and you cringe in anticipation of what's going to be on screen. But uh, in the end, I was able to, to unclench in a satisfying manner and, <laughs> and overall feel pretty satisfied with what I was able to do. But yeah, definitely taking notes, uh, not only on what I did, but just always when I'm watching films or televisions and I'm noting performances, and kind of just storing things in in the bank about well if i played a character like that look at you know look at that gesture that he's doing you know just ways of of saying a line and uh of movement through a scene i mean one of the things that's challenging about working on a a low budget independent film where you don't have a lot of freedom with the environment is that you do have to run through things fairly quickly and like i said len is a very efficient filmmaker but part of the necessity of that is you don't really get to linger with a scene and do it over and over again and try it from different angles. So you kind of just got to be ready to, to bring to the scene what you got. Um, 
and if he's happy with what you've done, then then that's the scene, and there's really no going back to it. Uh, but you know, you always, well, at least since it's uh, in recent memory, still I think of ways that you know I might have done something a little differently. But I'll save that for the next project, whatever that might be. Be it your 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 next project or a project ten years from now, what's a character you want to play? <sighs> I, I'm just open to something that I don't even know, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, I never would have thought of myself as being the lead villain in an action film. Mm -hmm. um, but there you go. I was, was challenged with it, and I, I contemplated it, and, and the character began to appear for me. So also, as acting isn't my primary interest in filmmaking it may be 10 years before i get another meaty character like that i don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh it, i'm not actively seeking out roles but if somebody came to me and said i think you would be good for this or i would be curious to see what you would do with this and handed me a script and told me what to think about um you know i find my my approach to developing at least this character is similar to how i approach um you know filmmaking in general is that you just sort of begin to get all these influences and instincts about you know what a character, what a story could be. So yeah, it wouldn't even be until somebody suggested something that I think I would even begin to, to contemplate what I could turn it into. You, you are a, an independent filmmaker. You're a writer, you're a producer, you're a director, you're a guy who gets shit done. What is a film, what's a story that you want to tell next? Uh, well, without getting into too much detail, I am sticking with horror. Okay. In fact, um, most of my producing credits are for a horror film studio in Scotland called Hex Studios. Hmm. So I'm a partner with that studio and um, currently developing projects with them. So there are story ideas that I have in mind based on some of their existing uh, content and things that I've discussed with them. What I can speak about in the more immediate is that I'm currently working on a short film called The White Ship, which is hmm. a, an HP Lovecraft story. Okay. So this is being done for an anthology film that our cool. studio is putting out. Uh, a couple years ago, we put out one called For We Are Many, which was an anthology of stories think regarding demons um, but the sequel that we're going to be putting out in uh, 23 is going to be all Lovecraft stories so the white ship is my contribution to that and although I haven't done principal photography yet I did uh, during the pandemic acquire a model white ship uh, based on one an existing ship that um, sails out of uh, somewhere in Scandinavia, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I got this model ship. I found this Emmy award-winning underwater cinematographer that lives in my neighborhood, contacted him to help me with the shoot. And we ended up going to his shop to shoot that. So he helped me set up in his bay a uh, inflatable pool, filled it with water, got everything set up, rented some red camera and some fancy lenses and mm -hmm. got the jib out and just shot this model ship in water and uh you know using 
shooting a, a high rate of, of uh, high frame rate, really able to, to make it feel like a ship of an immense size. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to spoil what we do with the ship, but we got some pretty interesting effects with it. And uh, I've started doing composite tests with uh, you know actual footage of, of ocean shots and, and some things, and also have some additional models that were created in the UK that uh, a team over there is going to be shooting for me at the end of summer for additional compositing work. So getting all the, the model of work and all the effects work uh, put together before I can even get over to, uh, to Scotland to do principal photography, but pretty happy with how it's all coming together right now. Yeah, and that's that's uh, due to come out next year? Yeah, the goal for release is uh, around Q1 of, of 2023. And is that going to be like through streaming or is it going to get a small, small little indie release? Or... We always put out fairly elaborate uh, disc packages. Oh, cool. Um, so there's a lot of original art. Often the productions uh, will be in, in relevant, you know, horror related film festivals in the US mm-hmm. and UK. And uh, so we're looking probably to, to repeat, repeat those kind of uh, experiences. Um, but yeah, there'll be disc distribution. And uh, I know that uh, some of the products have gone to, to streaming service as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, somewhere eventually. That's so cool. Yeah. Before we go, what's your favorite memory from Pact of Vengeance, from the set of Pact of Vengeance? Ooh, Pact of Vengeance. Um, I mean, it probably comes back to, to the rooftop stuff. It was okay. just a lot of fun being out there with all the guys and, and, and shooting off guns for a little bit. Um, just the camaraderie of being on set is just an experience that you don't find in a lot of other things, or at least I don't, particularly during the pandemic when having been isolated for so long and then getting the opportunity to suddenly be <laughs> with other people doing something that you all love. Right. And, um, you know, I love the creativity of it, you know, with everybody kind of being able to do what they wanted to with the looks of their characters. And so you felt like everybody who was there was really invested in what they were doing. And um, everyone kind of really owned their character and you kind of felt that everybody really wanted to be there and was, was having a good time and made a lot of good friends and um, got to see some old ones. And it was just a, a nice experience that way. That's what's up. Folks, you can check out Greg Orsi as Sid in Pact of Vengeance, starring the late great Leo Fong. It's now available on the Killer Wolf Films Patreon page. You can see it for as little as $2, but not just Pact of Vengeance movie. You can see everything in the Killer Wolf Films catalog. That's just $2, patreon.com, Killer Wolf Films. Greg, is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, not plugging at this time, but um, I will certainly uh, be making notices when I've got more on my film or any other projects, either on Instagram or Facebook, which I'm on more often. Right. Well, I hope we can have you back on to talk more about the white ship when the, when you're ready to, man. That's uh, That sounds pretty awesome. Thank so, you. I appreciate that. Folks, I do some stuff around here. You can find me and friend of the family, Mike Fish. We do a little thing called the Waffle Box Podcast. It is the best part of Wednesdays. And guess what? Mike's back from the UK. He's back from COVID isolation. 
we uh, should have dropped an episode this past Wednesday, two days ago. So we're going to talk about Vince McMahon retiring and uh, all sorts of fun stuff just to timestamp this. Also, sweet science cinema, squared circle cinema edition, me and pro wrestling hall of famer, Jamil Hempel. We're going to talk about a little unknown Sylvester Stallone pro wrestling film called Paradise Alley from 1978. We watched it so you don't have to, kids, but it's it's a good podcast. It's a good listen. I hope you check that out. So otherwise, for Greg Worsey, I've been Kush Hayes. You've been you. Micro dose, micro dose, micro dose, micro dose, micro dose, yeah, micro dose. From the Bosnet family. <laughs> that was a hungry boy. <laughs>